Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue, a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. My name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor at Doxa Church, and I am joined by my beautiful wife, Julie, this morning. How are you, Julie? Hey, good to be here. Yeah, this is a morning recording. We've been doing the evening recordings, but we're we're giving it a try here in the morning today. Yep, during Dawson's morning nap. And if you listened to last week's podcast, we talked a lot about technology, and here we are letting Monroe watch a movie while we do this. <laughs> Everything in moderation, right? Yes. So tell everyone, how's it going? We had a pretty wild weekend. We did. We kind of got a taste this weekend of what I think the teen years are going to be like. <laughs> It was jam-packed with social things, one to the next to the next. Beckham had his 10th birthday, and we've always said we'll do a special celebration of your birthday where you can invite all your friends, like in year five, year 10. We're slightly rethinking the five-year-old thing because they don't really have all their school friends quite in motion yet for Paxton. He got a short end of his stick on that. But Beckham had his 10th birthday at Topgolf. Yes, it was very, very fun. There's a few kids in his class at school that are very good golfers. We were like giving away packs of cards for who could get the longest drive and who could get the closest to the pin gets an extra bottle of Prime. I mean, it was right up the fourth grade, fifth grade oh, boy. Prime hour. is yeah. all the rage these days. Yeah. If you have kids, which is a good chance you do if you're listening to this podcast, you would know. Then we had another awesome birthday party. Another little boy in the church had a birthday party. Our sister-in-law was in town. We got to spend time with her. Yep. Went to a gender reveal party for someone at church. And it then, was just a lovely day. And I took Pax into a soccer game that night for his his soccer team. about to go to the Greenville Triumph. So it was a full day, full weekend. Sunday was incredible. And then we crashed. Crashed <laughs> after that. And here we are, Tuesday morning. But we have a lot to talk about. We do. The title of this episode is be the narrator of life. And we're getting this idea from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Would you please read that passage for us, Julie? Yes. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Amen. So you see the three components, the heart, the soul, and your might. In the Bible, your heart is always talking about the mission control, the center of your being, right? And this would include your mind in this case. Yeah. When I read this, my takeaway is you need to teach your kids diligently, loving God with all your heart, soul, might. Yep. Your soul, that's the life's breath. So that's your will and emotions. You have your mind, you have your will and emotions, and then the might is just an intensifier. It's your passion. And we're going to talk a lot about that. Your passions are seen in your priorities too. So we need to be aware of all three of these areas. I think we should talk about the word diligent. What is that meaning here? Yeah, teach them diligently. I mean, this is hard work. This is a commitment that you have to make. There's no room for laziness when it comes to parenting. It means consistency, faithfully. Yeah, you have a limited time. 
and you know you have a task to complete. You have to pour as much of Christ into them as you can diligently. So it takes effort. It's not easy. There's going to be bad days and good days, but you stay at it. And one of the key ways to teach your kids this is to be it yourself and model it. Yep, exactly. I just love how this verse lays it out. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. There's an evening and morning component to this. Yeah, like, you're kid- putting your kids to bed. Right. When you're having breakfast in the when morning. You, how you start those days. When you're at Target. Yeah. When you're driving to the next event. You know, we're driving to the next birthday party. We're driving to this game. All of those are opportunities for you to speak the truth of who God is, how he's created them, how he's created this world. You're truly being the narrator of life as you go on with your day. Yeah, let's talk about narrating the whole world around our kids. Yeah. The idea here is pointing out what they should be seeing. A lot of times we think, oh, kids are kids. They're just focused on their own little world and having fun and laughing. And that's true, right? Like you have to understand their level. But if you step back and think about how mature kids were in previous generations and how much a kid can actually learn, this is the prime time for them to take in, soak in, soak in, soak in, and learn. So we don't need to just be talking about farm animals and colors and like the funniest YouTube video. We can talk about real things, whys of life. Yeah, I even want to give an example of this. So there's different phases to this. It depends on the age of your kids. I'm going to have a different conversation with Monroe, who's Mm -hmm. four, than I am with Beckham, who just turned 10. And we were in Charleston a couple weeks ago for a soccer tournament, and there was this huge billboard that said, God loves LGBTQ. Beckham noticed it immediately, and he said, Mom, what does that mean? So I thought for a second, and I'm like, well, he asked, I'm going to go there. I want to be the narrator of his worldview. Yep. Which is God's view. And so I answered the question. I said, it's actually right. God does love them. Mm-hmm. And had to have a conversation that I didn't really want to have, but it's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, explaining God absolutely loves everybody, but God doesn't want everyone to stay where they're at because our fallen nature is destructive. You can go there on those kind of conversations. I mean, pointing out what they should be seeing When you start doing that more and more, they're going to start asking more and more questions too, which is a win-win like Beckham did there. I mean, another example of this with our oldest son is, you know, we had that crazy weekend on Saturday. We had a great service on Sunday morning, and then we were ready to just crash on Sunday. We had to unwind. So we had our classic Culver's lunch, which is our go-to right now, came home. And I think we watched, yeah, we watched the, the end of a soccer game. Saw Liverpool somehow miraculously come back and and beat Tottenham in the 97th minute. And then I said, hey, let's clean up a couple rooms, these two rooms, and then you can play some video games because Beckham had asked if he could play some video games. Well, he didn't like that response of mine. And he immediately was like, no, I don't want to clean. I'll just not play video games then. I was like, no, you need to clean. (laughs) You need to clean these two rooms. We're all going to do it. The whole family is pitching in. 
you do too. And he had attitude about it really bad. He was not going to do it. I was like, all right, well, you're not going to play video games now because of your attitude here. You don't deserve to play video games if you're going to be that entitled about it. Mm -hmm. And you're still going to have to help us clean these two rooms. Yeah. And he was not happy. So here we are, the people trying to do a parenting podcast. Our kid is having a cow. I got handed a Dear David and Julie letter <laughs> from him. Yes. We sent him up to his room. I was like, you go up to your room, pray about this, talk to the Lord about this. I mean, he's crying. He's all upset. Part of it was he was just emotionally spent. He was physically exhausted. But still, that's no excuse to not clean, right? So we're cleaning. Things are going along. He's going on and on about this in his room, praying, crying. Later, he comes down and it still isn't resolved. And we're like, all right, let's come into the front room. Let's just talk. And I had to explain to him what he should be seeing, how he needs to be thinking. So we just had a father-son conversation. I was like, Beckham, think through this. All right. Your parents do a lot for you. We have six people in our home, so our house can get messy really, really fast. <laughs> Two seconds. Yeah. And your parents aren't just loafing around, sitting on the couch, doing what they want to do. We're not just having you guys do all the work. We're cleaning this house all the time. So how would it be helpful for you if we just taught you it's okay for Beckham to sit on the couch, play video games, while everyone else works and cleans so he could have a fun, relaxing life? I would be teaching you the wrong lesson in your life. That's not the way life works. Sometimes kids don't learn this when they're 10 and they move on from their home and they have to learn this the hard way when they're 20, that it takes work to keep a house clean, that you can't just do what you want to do. Sometimes you have to do a little work before you relax, right? And so for the people who learn it when they're 20, it's painful. It's very hard. Yeah. So it's better for you to learn this now when you're 10 rather than learn it the hard way down the road. So that was just an example of us showing him what he needs to think and just using a daily example of, from the world around us of cleaning the house. This is what you should be seeing. Yeah. You know, ask yourself, do you teach them how to think? Do you teach your own kids how to think? I also think, you know, when our kids are mad or sad, when they're having a response, an emotion, it's okay to go there and ask them, why are you mad and sad? Let's talk about this. I want you to share your heart. That's a very probing heart question. Hey, why are you sad about this right now? Why does this bother you so much? And it'll be very revealing how they answer that. They're not going to have an answer right away. Usually when you ask that question, it forces them to pause and to go past just their emotions and to really start seeing where that emotion is coming from. And you want your kid to see that. You want to go back to the heart level. And I understand some kids can be, they're crying so hard you can't even have a conversation or rationalize and you got to de-escalate and get it calmed down to be right. able to ask, okay, let's talk about this. With our little kids, one thing that's been helpful for us, it's kind of silly, but it's from Daniel Tiger. <laughs> and they sing little songs that kind of help with life, life little kid problems. Yeah. And one of them is when you feel so mad and you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. Mm -hmm. And in our home, it's actually kind of funny because 
Monroe will use this on the boys sometimes. She'll come, <laughs> if they're mad about something, she'll come behind them and start singing it. And it's everything, it takes everything in me to not laugh. It's very funny. That's great. So sometimes you do have to de-escalate. And you know your kid, as a parent, you know your kid what that's mm-hmm. going to take to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we use the standing in the corner discipline technique sometimes because they're so... Resets. Yeah, it resets. Like, hey, you need to go stand in the corner for a minute and you need to actually think about this and pray about this. And then we can talk. And then we can talk. We can't even talk about this yet, but we need to. So calm down first. You know, as we are narrating our kid's life, a lot of it is they see what we do, not what we say. Mm-hmm. And do they see you praying? Do they see you reading your Bible? Do they see those things in you? And when they do, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to be able to teach them how to pray. Absolutely. You do this when you sit down on a family meal. You're teaching them how to pray. Yeah, I want to insert here. I'm glad you said that about family meals. Family meals are really important. And I understand in our society, seven days a week is probably unattainable. But you need to find a number that is attainable and Mm -hmm. stick to it. Even if it's just starting with one, start with one and then you can increase it from there. Yeah. David, explain why is it so important? Well, you're having a time where everybody can sit together. We learn how to converse with one another. We learn the value of giving thanks to God, to communicating to everyone. It builds unity in the family. Yeah, we use this as an opportunity to pull out of our kids their school day. Mm -hmm. We'll say, hey, give me your highs and lows. The highest thing that happened in their day and their lowest point. And we learned some crazy things. You have fun with it. And I mean, sometimes your kid will be like, I didn't have any lows. It's like, oh, well, that's great. Or they'll give you five highs or something. Like I got 100 on my spelling test. or Yeah. Or they did have a really bad low and you can tell because they don't really want to say anything about it and they kind of clam up. and Yeah, and we'll just say, hey, if you don't want to sit at the table, you can come tell me or daddy later. Yep. But prayer is such a huge thing. The way you model it, you're giving thanks to God. You're giving praise to God. You're showing your kids that you're dependent on him. You're teaching thankfulness right there and and how God is a provider. All of those things you're talking about as you do them. And the same thing when they go to bed, that's another perfect time to read a verse of scripture and to pray with them, to put closure on the day and talk about what's coming up the next day. That sets your kids up for success when you do those things. Right. A couple years ago, we found ourselves being so busy that family dinners weren't really happening. Our schedule. And we both were like, okay, something's got to change. And so now what we do is with our schedule currently, Monday night is our sacred night for our family. We don't usually have other things going on. We sit down as a family. We have family devotions. Our kids share prayer requests. We share prayer requests, what's going on. And we pray together as a family. Absolutely. So just talking with your kids about what they're learning is so important. It's kind of like lotion. You just want to get it out and just slowly rub it in. So When you're going to a wedding or you're going to an event, I mean, you can simply right there spend the dime to talk about why you're investing your time in this, why this is important, how God created this. You're being the narrator of life in all of these things, but absolutely helping them see the purpose and seeing how each thing fits in with loving others, how it fits in with 
building up our family. Your priorities really do show and your kids really do pick up on that as long as you talk through it. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up priorities and I think we should park here for a little bit. Yeah. What are your family priorities? If you were to ask your kids, what do your parents prioritize? What would they say? Would they say you value the Lord in your walk with the Lord, being at church, being in community with other believers? Do you value that? Do you value family time in having those family dinners like we just talked about, in doing things together as a family? And to have the right priorities where you're prioritizing your family, your relationship with God, your prioritizing having community within a church body. If you're doing all of that, it's pretty countercultural, all right? Yeah. It goes against the flow of a modern American society. Because this is what our culture says. Everybody has a phone and you live in your own little world. You don't talk face to face and mm. that's what rules. We, we give into our flesh. I mean, you see it at the, re- you just go to any restaurant and you can just look at a family. Half the time, the kids are on the phone, the parents are on the phone, people aren't even talking at a dinner at a nice restaurant. Like, that's a problem. Yeah, what are your priorities? Put the phones down in a situation like that. And, of course, extracurricular activities are great. Our kids are in soccer. Monroe wants to do gymnastics and soccer. Like, those kind of things are really fun. And those are valuable times to be a narrator of life. I mean, so many good lessons you can learn through sports. We could have a whole podcast on that. We've had a lot of very constructive, healthy conversations about dealing with adversity, about working through problems. Like, you can learn so... On those car rides back from a game or to a game, have great narration of life with those events. But whether it's dance or a musical or gymnastics, whatever it is, that good thing can become the enemy of the best thing. Yeah. And you ask yourself, what's getting a prominent seat in our priorities? Yeah. What is that biggest piece that takes up the most of our time? And this also can veer off into another area, the area of discipline, that I think some parents miss the mark a little bit on this, where, okay, my kid did something wrong. All right, I have to discipline them. I have to take away something that's gonna, they're gonna feel it, right? And I understand that sentiment, like we want this discipline to actually matter, for Mm -hmm. it to carry weight. That's right. But you don't wanna take away something that goes against your priorities. So, Try not to take away good things, but take away sugar, screen time, like, you know, things that they're already getting too much of anyway that aren't really super helpful for them. Maybe you're listening to this and you're like, man, our priorities are all upside down. That's okay. You can make changes now. And that's great. You can turn the corner, sit down and write out, pray through, okay, God, show me what our priorities need to be. And how can we, like lotion, work those priorities into our life? Yeah. I mean, our whole goal in this podcast is just to help you think through things. And Lord willing, as you look at this scripture, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, I mean, we got to go back to that, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't a shaming, guilt-ridden podcast. This is just a, what is God calling us to be as parents How has he equipped us? What are some techniques? What are some helpful ideas? And take this for what it is. Yeah. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I mean, when they see scripture hung up in your home, when they see you dealing with adversity and working through a problem and actually explaining, hey, here's what I was thinking, here's what I wanted to say, but this is what God says about it. When you're narrating those things to your kids, it's going to help them grow up in Christ and have spiritual maturity. There's always a connection to God. Yeah, even when your kids are sad. You know what? Monroe, you're really sad that you didn't get to go to that one party you wanted to, or you didn't get to go down to Lily's house, her <laughs> little friend. She's very social. But you know what? God is the ultimate comforter. Mm-hmm. You can point it to God. Yeah, when they're hurting, that's a perfect opportunity to connect what they know about God to their present situation. You know, hey, friends are great. God gives us friends. He teaches us to have friends. We should be friendly. But we can't spend all of our time with friends either. We have to have our family time. We have to have our time with God. And he is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I don't know about you as a parent, but oftentimes I find myself in my head dealing with different circumstances with our kids thinking, I really don't know how to handle this. And in those moments, I've learned and am continually learning to ask yourself, who is God in this situation? If you can ask yourself, who is God in this situation? You will work through whatever those circumstances are. And this brings up a really great video that Julie found by Paul David Tripp. Yes, I found this and it was like, man, can we just have him be on the podcast? This is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, but it was another one of your finds that you saved, you shared with me. And we're not going to quote this or anything. I just want to talk about it. But it was the difference between grace-based parenting compared to law-based parenting. And Paul Tripp was talking about how you can't just have law-based parenting. And when he says law-based parenting, what he's talking about is set of regulations with punishments. Yeah, it's like a spreadsheet checklist. Yeah. Here's what we do. These are our family rules. Follow them to a T. You're the cop. You're the judge. You're the jury. You're the executioner. And everybody get in line. Look, that's not the full picture, right? It's not. because Praise God it's not. (laughs) Right, right. But if all they needed was God's law, there would be no reason for Jesus to come. Jesus came as the fulfillment of the law. The law exposes our sin, Mm -hmm. but it's not just a set of rules that we follow and regulations where we keep in line. There's the whole repentance, forgiveness, grace, and mercy side of our faith. And we have to include that piece, all those pieces of it, in our parenting. So grace-based parenting, it takes our mistakes, it takes our inadequacy that is revealed by, oh, we messed up didn't follow that rule. Mm -hmm. You spoke unkindly to your sister. It takes those mistakes and it points to Christ. You know what? You did this. It was hurtful. It was wrong. Your mom and dad, we love you anyway. We love you Mm -hmm. the same. This doesn't change our love for you. Just like when we sin against God, God still loves us. Even as sinners, he loves who we are and he has a better plan for us. So, As the parent, you're helping your kids see, we want to help you conquer this. This is not going to be good for you down the road. It's not good for you now. Like, look at the disunity and the 
rest that it's causing in our home right now because you're being selfish. Because you're being selfish, it's causing a problem with all of us. Mm -hmm. So let's talk through the root of this right now. Law-based is focused on rules, and the heart of it always goes back to getting in line with the program. But rather than deliver the individual from sin, if your focus as a parent is solely on the law-based side of it, what it ends up doing is just creating better sinners. Yeah, they've learned the system pretty quickly. (laughs) They know how to get out of it. They know what attitude to put on. They know what to say to get you off their back. And you're just creating conformers. And this is really, really hard. I, I, this is really convicting for me. Like, man, what are we doing? We need to rethink some things here. Yeah. I mean, this can easily happen to people where they think, all right, my kid is just not causing any problems. They're just doing so well. And you think on the outside, everything looks good, but you haven't gotten to the heart. And really your kid is just a smarter sinner. They know how to make you feel good. They know how to get around and still do what they want to do and say the right things at the right time. A lot of kids who grow up in Christian homes learn how to become a smarter sinner, you know? Mm -hmm. So it all goes back to the heart. And having your heart shaped by gospel grace takes talking about how hope is not found in your obedience. Mm -hmm. It's not where we're getting our hope, in your own simple obedience to this rule. Hope is found in Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and the grace that he gives us even when we still mess up. Even when we mess up again and again and again, he still loves us. He still gives grace. So you have to talk about that. Talk about the need for grace. Mm -hmm. And then also, your kids, if you're going to be grace-based parenting, they need to hear you confessing when you need grace, when Mm -hmm. you did wrong, right? Hey, I messed up. I was upset. And what I said was actually right, but the tone that I said it was wrong. Yeah, and then they don't listen. So I said the right thing the wrong way. I'm sorry. When your kids hear you say, you know what? I've been talking to God about this. He's really helped me in this area. It used to be worse, but I still have room to grow. Mm -hmm. I'm still not where I need to be yet. Will you forgive me for the way I said that? You are teaching your kids grace right there. Yeah. Grace has the power to transform our kids. Yep. The law exposes sin. That's what the law is. And we're not, we're not against rules and regulations at all here. You need a ruler, right? Like it tells you it's too long or it's too short. Having that measuring rod standard is important to have. It's a great guide. So we're not talking lawless parenting, but we're talking about grace parenting. Yeah, and when we mean by that, it doesn't mean okay, I just need to be gracious all the time, so I'm going to be permissive. Permissive parenting is not not great. No, that's not who God is. Like He doesn't just say, oh, let's just be nice and no consequences at all, big hug for everyone. No, God judges sin. Jesus had to go to the cross for sin. Grace never calls wrong right. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. It's a powerful vehicle that a Christian family can use to point your kids to the goodness and the loving kindness of God, the steadfast faithfulness of God. Because when you have grace-based parenting, you're acknowledging your own weaknesses 
everybody is aware that we can't do this apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we need to go to God. We need to rely on his strength. We need to ask for forgiveness. All of those things are so important. So don't put your hope in a good system of the law. Like use it as the tool for what it is, but put your hope in Christ. Yeah, where is the trajectory headed? Don't you don't want to get pulled into the tedious and ridiculous arguments. But keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. Which is what this verse is talking about, right? I mean, again, going back to that, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And what was that? Well, go back to the beginning, verse five of this passage, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These are the words that I command you. Today shall be on your heart. Again, Mm -hmm. there's the heart. And we're talking about loving God and loving others. Those are the things that we talk about in the way, when you lie down, when you rise, when you sit in your house. Find them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets. I mean, that's just simply talking about like the decorations in your home. Like make your home a haven from the world in the sense that you discuss truth. You're always pointing things back to God's love for you and how his love for you shapes your heart into loving others. Mm -hmm. That's the trajectory that we want to be on because none of us are going to be perfect. We're all sinners living under the same roof. But you know what? God doesn't look at us as sinners anymore. Mm -hmm. He sees us as saints if we're redeemed. And you may have have some true, true sinners who aren't redeemed by God's grace yet in your home. And that makes it even more complicated, right? But just teaching the love of God Mm -hmm. and going back to that is the way you, you affect the heart. Mm-hmm. That's what motivates and inspires the heart. That's what causes us to love each other. Yes. Thank you to Paul Tripp for a lot of that content there at the end. That was very, very helpful. As we close today, I just want to ask you, what are your priorities as a family? Are they the things of the Lord? Or are they more culturally based? Are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart so might? And are you teaching your children that diligently? Are you modeling that? And not in the sense of modeling it and being fake. Hey, if I do this, then my kids will X, Y, Z. No, genuinely, truly just walking with the Lord. Do you have any resources? Yes. For the listeners? Because we were talking about Paul Tripp today, (laughs) we are going to recommend a book by him. It's called Parenting. And this is 14 gospel principles that can radically change your family. And I just highly recommend it. Paul Tripp is a fantastic author and he's been writing books for years. Highly recommend. Great stuff. Well, hopefully this was a help to you as you diligently parent your kids. If it was helpful, please spread the word. Let us know your feedback. Please like and share this episode. You are loved.